Hey everybody and welcome to the FBC Jinx podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. We are so grateful you're here. In today's episode, we're continuing our steadfast series through the book of 2 Timothy. Pastor Rick will be talking through how to know if you're truly pursuing and running after Christ. If you'd like more information on our church, please visit www.fbcjinx.org. We hope you enjoyed this talk by Pastor Rick Fry. Well, good morning, family. Let me welcome you and excited to have you here today. Those of you that are in overflow and those of you that are joining online this morning, let me just welcome you as well. We're excited to have you here. This morning, if you want to take your Bibles and turn a few over to 2 Timothy, we're going to be in chapter 2, verses 8 through 13. And uh, as we continue in our series on steadfast, and today I really want to talk about running after Jesus. You know, one of the things that you'll discover as you begin to read, especially throughout this 2 Timothy as, as he is writing to his son in the ministry, he's really encouraging Timothy. Timothy, you've got to pursue Christ more than anything else. It must be the driving passion of your life, everything that you do. And the reason why is because Paul wanted young Timothy to, to come to understand a truth that I think all of us need to understand, no matter whether we're in ministry, whether you have a ministry at your place of service or wherever it may be. But the core of your ministry, the core of who you are, literally the core of Christianity is about this running hard and pursuing Jesus Christ. Now, I will tell you that Paul is writing this from the sense of his own life. He's speaking with great integrity. And the reason why I say that is because this was the passion of his soul as well. Listen to what he writes in Philippians 3. He says, For whatever gain I have, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. In other words, he says, whatever accomplishments I have, whatever notoriety I may have, whatever you may think about me, whatever you may believe about me, I count all of that as loss for the sake of Christ. But then listen to what he writes in verse 8. I count everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends upon faith. And hang on to your seat. Listen to what he says in verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. This was the heart and the soul of the Apostle Paul. He ran hard. He pursued everything about his life, the core, his breath. Everything about him was always about Jesus Christ. So as he's writing to young Timothy here in the second chapter, he actually says to him, I want to share with you three truths that you need to build into your life. Now, before we plunge into that, let me just ask you and me a very personal question this morning. How hard are you personally today in your life Pursuing Christ. Think about it. And it may be one of those things that you need to go home and get along with God and sit down and really ask that question, just you and him. God, how am I really pursuing you? You see, if the truth be known, <laughs> that's probably not the case for a lot of us. Doesn't mean that we're not doing good things. Doesn't mean that we're not engaged. Doesn't mean that we don't love the Lord. I, I will just tell you, there are a lot of things today, listen to me, church, that are clamoring for your attention and it is so easy to succumb to those things. 
And so what Paul writes to Timothy, he says, listen, your ministry, son, it's not about your skill set. Your ministry is not about your insight. Your ministry is about a person, and, and that is true of the Christian life. The context of your Christian life and my Christian life is not our insight. It's not even some great Christian experience that we may have had. It's not even the fact that you go to church and, and check off the box and you give to missions and you do all these wonderful things. The Christian life has always been, should be, and better be always about the pursuit of running hard after Jesus Christ. And so once again, we ask, are we really passionate about knowing him? Are we passionate about growing into his likeness? Because it is all about this pursuit, running hard after Jesus. I mean, just sit down and begin to read the New Testament. When you read the New Testament, the heart and the core is, is always Jesus. It's always about him. And to be honest with you, there is a direct relationship between our passionate pursuit of the person of Christ and our fruitfulness as you and I follow Jesus Christ. So what does Paul tell Timothy? Three things. Number one, he says, Timothy, I want you to do this more than anything else. I want you to remember Jesus. Look at verse eight. He says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But Paul, underline this one. But the word of God is not bound. Now, can I tell you this morning that as Paul is writing this, these are not just throwaway lines. This is not just verbiage. It's not just sentences that he puts together. Look at that word remember. It literally means keep in mind. In other words, he says, this is not just for you to recall. This is for you to rehearse. In other words, this is, is something that I want you to be consciously aware of, consistently, habitually, within your life, every day of your life, who Jesus Christ is. And what he's doing, he's trying to remind Timothy, listen, you constantly keep in mind this truth, that you're not serving a religious leader, that you're not serving one among many, but you are serving the risen Lord, Jesus Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the pearl of great price. He is the driving force of your heart and of your life. He is the center of your life. He is the center of Christianity. It is the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I love the fact that he didn't just stop there and say, okay, let's pull over and park a while and let's just talk about it. Look at the next statement he says. Then he says, risen from the dead. You see what he does, he says, listen, I wanna underscore something. This is not somebody that went to the cross, died and then put in a team and he's still there. No, he is risen Timothy, you gotta remember that as you're serving, as you're giving, as you're out in the world, as you're doing ministry, whatever it may be, you need to understand that you are preaching and talking about and living for the risen Savior. You're not just simply telling some ancient fable. You're, you're referring to the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is alive. And because he is alive, it also reminds us that he is all-powerful, that he has conquered death. It all belongs to him. And Timothy, this is what you need to remember. As followers of Jesus Christ, listen to me, church, we have to remember this. Christ lives in us. He's alive. And to be conscious of his presence, not something like a suit of clothes that you put on. Well, I'm gonna put Jesus on, I go to church today. No, do you understand that as a believer, everywhere you go, everything you look at, every relationship that you're in, you're taking Jesus with you every step of the way. 
Think about it. Every conversation you have, everything you look and gaze upon on the internet, everything that you do as a child of God, he is not out there away from you. He lives within you. Be conscious of his presence. And because of that, run after him. Then notice what he says. Then he says, as preached in my gospel. He's reminding Timothy, Timothy, you heard this. Not only did you hear it, you saw it. You saw me go toe-to-toe with these religious leaders as I preached the gospel. You saw many people as they heard the gospel, as I challenged them to repent and make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life, that they accepted Christ, they followed Christ. Timothy, you saw the transformation take place. Timothy, hear me, son. Don't depart from this. And can I just say to you, church, in the times that you and I are living today, I will tell you it's going to get harder before it gets better. And more than any other time, as the church, the body of Christ, we cannot depart from the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Savior. Amen? You can't depart from it. This church has preached this for over a hundred years. It is the core of who we are. And I will tell you, as long as I have breath, as long as I stand here as your pastor, as your shepherd, this is what we're going to talk about. It is always going to be the gospel. It's always going to be about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Look at what he says in verse 9. For which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. Let's just get real honest for a moment. (laughs) He says, listen, I've preached this gospel, and guess what it did? It landed me in jail. It didn't land me in a cushy five-star hotel. Listen to me. Hear me this morning. I don't care what age you are. If you're a believer, saved and born of the Spirit of God, and you stand for the truth of this book, and you live out and you talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, you better, you better hang on to your seat because the gospel will get you in trouble. Amen? Come on. The gospel is going to get you in trouble. You know why? Because people don't want to hear truth today. In the world in which we live today, Everybody wants a Christianity that makes us just kind of have a better version of ourselves. In other words, we want this nice, warm, and acceptable. And our world is becoming more and more like that. Don't don't tell me truth. Don't talk about repentance. Don't talk about getting right with God. No. I just want this nice, feel-good, warm, fuzzy feeling. I can go to church, and I can still live in my sin and do what I want to do, be what I want to be. Listen to me, when you preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's going to get you in trouble. Christianity is not lived out in a self-contained bubble. You and I live in a fallen world. Satan is the prince of the power of the air. He will do everything that he can to destroy us. And we're living in a world today, people are scared to death, and it's getting worse to speak truth. Especially truth that says that you're a sinner and you've got to repent. We're living in a world today that basically says this. You know, I want a God that will accept me for who I am. No matter what. No matter what I believe. I just want a God that accept me and love me, even in all my sin. Do what I want to do. Live the way I want to be. So don't be surprised that as a teenager, as a college student, as an adult, don't be surprised. Listen to me. That if you stand for truth and you stand for the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're probably going to get hated. 
Somebody's going to get in your face one of these days. And Timothy is being told, you better remember Jesus. Why? For which I am suffering, bound in chains as a criminal. And look at verse 9. But the word of God is not bound. I started preaching when I was 15 years old. And I've been preaching ever since. And I can assure you of one thing. Nobody, I don't care who they are, can stop the spread or the impact of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No one. This word of God is not bound. And I will tell you, you go back and look at history. Every single time somebody tried to stop it, you know what God did? He just multiplied it, amen? He just multiplied it. The word of God is going to accomplish what it is sent out to accomplish. But when you share the word of God and teach the word of God and you preach the word of God, listen to me, hear me. I don't care if it's in a small group, it's with teenagers or children or with senior adults. Every time you do that, always have an expectancy that God is going to work. I'll never forget this. One of the things that I remember, an old preacher told me many, many years ago, James Fitzgerald, he looked at me one day and he said, son, he said, don't you ever dare stand in front of a group, a group of people with a Bible in your hand and not expect change. Think about it. When you come to church, do you come in here with an expectancy? Do you come in here expecting God to work, to see people saved, to see lives change? I, I will tell you, there's not a time that I've, I've stepped in this pulpit or any pulpit that I've been in. I always expect, I pray, I ask God, God, do change in people's lives. Now, sometimes we see it, sometimes we don't. Sometimes it's the tilling of the soil, sometimes it's the planting the seed. But I will tell you, listen to me, I don't care who you are, but anytime you open up the word of God, anytime you stand there with the word of God, you always expect God to work. And Paul says, listen, this Bible is not bound. It does not return into God void. So what he's saying to Timothy, he says, Timothy, listen to me. You get so preoccupied with the person of Jesus Christ, you run after him. Don't you worry about all this other stuff. Don't worry about it. You get so preoccupied with the personal relationship of Jesus Christ, all of this other stuff, let me tell you what, God will just multiply. Now, why is that important? Because fruitfulness, listen to me, fruitfulness comes by abiding in the vine. When you are abiding in Christ, you do not have to strain to produce fruit. It's a natural byproduct. Listen to me. You just have to abide. And I promise you, he will produce things in and through you that you never could dream possible. So the first thing that he says is, Timothy, you've got to remember Jesus. second thing that he says is, you've got to draw upon Jesus. Listen to what he says in verse 10. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, what, again, Paul is doing here, he's, he's talking about the strength to endure, and it comes from two things. First of all, it comes from the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we talked about that grace last week. But listen to what he says in verse 1 again, that his strength comes from the Lord. But then he says, because I remember Jesus... Because I remember this glorious message of the gospel that is so incredible, that is beyond human comprehension and privilege. I will lose, I will do everything for the elect's sake. Now, I'm not going to get into a study and preach on predestination, election, all of this, but let me just say this to you. There's some people today who say, oh, okay, you know, I, I'm a Calvinist, so I believe that, you know, God, God knows who's going to be saved, and so why should I, and I've had people tell me this, why should I worry about sharing my faith and telling others about Jesus Christ? 
Well, think about the question. Because the question literally is the answer. God knows, and I believe that. But you and I don't. Let me say that to you again. God knows. God knows who's going to be saved. God knows who's not going to be saved. He's God. He knows it all. But Rick Fry doesn't know, and you don't know. I do know this. Therefore, I'm not going to try to solve the mystery (laughs) that is not mine to solve. But I will pursue the responsibility that God has given to me as a child of God. And what is that? That is to share my faith. That is to tell others about Jesus Christ. God commanded us to do that. And Paul is saying, listen to me. Paul says, I do all of this because God is a people that God is calling to himself. And he says, I will lose my life if I have to for the sake and the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And can I just tell you something this morning? Listen to me, church. There are some things more important than life itself. There are some things more important than living. And here's one. Obedience to our Savior is more important than life itself. Did you hear me? I'm convinced until we make that, listen, the core of our heart, we will always be two steps forward and three steps back. We will always be trying to disqualify our obedience or we'll always be sitting down trying to renegotiate our commitment. So he says, you've got to remember Jesus. Secondly, he says, you've got to draw upon Jesus. And thirdly, he says, man, you've got to trust Jesus. Now, Paul gives four truths, two, two contrasts. One is positive, or two are positive, two are negative. Here they are. They're found in verse 11 through 13. First of all, he says, our death. Look at verse 11. The saying is trustworthy for, if we have died with him, then we will also live with him. Now, what he's doing here in this text, he's talking about our identification, who we are in Christ. So that when you're saved and born again and you confess and repent of your sins, you invite Jesus Christ to come to live within you. There is something else that takes place, though. You are now identified, listen to me, in his death as well as in his resurrection. So that in his death, burial, and resurrection, it outlines, if you will, who we are. Thus, we also know that in order to become a Christian, we have to choose against ourselves. We have to die to the old self. That's why old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new because of what Christ did for us. So we have died with him, but we also live with him. So he reminds him, he says, listen, first of all, it's in your death. Secondly, he says, it's in our endurance. Look in verse 12. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Now what he's doing here, the emphasis is upon suffering and it's on glorification. Paul had this in mind, that hard times are not going to last forever. I will tell you, church, I, I don't know what things are going to, how it's going to look before Jesus Christ comes. It's going to get harder. It's going to get worse. I promise you. It's just the way it is. One of these days, I was talking to one of our deacons this morning. I said, one of these days, God's just finally going to come and say, you know what? Enough is enough. I'm coming for my church. And the more that I watch television, the more that I listen to news, the more I see what's happening in our world, I kind of find myself getting up on, of a morning saying, Lord Jesus, could this be the day? Amen? Come on. I'm ready. But I want you to hear me this morning. He says, Timothy, it's probably not going to get better, son. 
I can almost guarantee that. But I can promise you, if you will endure, you're going to reign with him forever. Isn't that a great thought to know? That one of these days, you and I will reign with him forever. No more tears of grief and remorse and tears of confession and repentance because we broke his heart and we sinned against him. And One day. But look at the two negatives. Verse 12, our denial. If we deny him, then he's going to also deny us. Did you hear that? If you deny him, then he's going to deny you. Now, I happen to believe what he's doing here, he's talking about apostasy. What I mean by that is it's, it's departing from the faith, to fall away. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, the reason why is because Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Listen to what he said. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons. In my lifetime, I've seen men who have written books, stood in pulpits, and they have preached the gospel and talked about the gospel. I have also seen some of those men now refute everything that they said, and they don't believe anymore. They don't believe in God. They don't believe the things they wrote. And I've had people literally ask me, how in the world could that be? Well, listen to the writer of Hebrews again. He says they came close meaning they learned the phrases, but they never believed with their hearts. If we deny him, he will also deny us. What that tells us, listen to me, and and people have asked, well, do you believe they were really saved? Personally, no. I don't believe they ever were really saved. And what it teaches us is that just because you're in this orthodox setting, doesn't mean that you personally are converted to Christ. Just because you may know all the right words, just because you grew up in a Baptist church, just because grandma and grandpa took you to church, just because maybe even you've been baptized, just because you lived in the context of a Christian world and you went to a Christian school, does not mean that Christ has captured your heart. Listen to me. There is so much more. There are a lot of people today. Do you understand that Satan knows and believes in God? He does. He knows there's a God. But he never did he ever give his heart. Never did he ever surrender to make him the Lord. And I will tell you, there are people today that's going to miss heaven by about 18 inches. That's the difference between their head and their heart. You can know all the right verbiage. You can know all the right things. You can go through the motions and still not know Christ. Even Jesus tells us in the word of God, there are going to be those in those last days that's going to look and say, Lord, didn't we, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we preach in your name? Didn't we teach in your name? Didn't we do all this? He said, depart from you, workers of iniquity. I never knew you because you denied me. Listen to me. The fourth contrast our faithlessness. Look at verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. The emphasis here is this unchanging nature. Don't miss this. It is this unchanging nature of our Savior. Actually, that little phrase right here is talking about our eternal security. Go back and look at the text again. If we are faithless, he remains 
faithful. In other words, what Jesus is saying, that Jesus is faithful to us is not contingent upon my or your faithfulness to him. Think about that. My faithfulness does not change his faithfulness. In other words, my being unfaithful, me not, not serving like I should, doesn't change his faithfulness to me. Even, even when we're disobedient and weak, Praise God, he remains faithful. And every one of us as Baptists ought to give a big hallelujah. Amen? Amen? Amen. Think about it. How many times have you stumbled? How many times have you messed up? How many times have you and I broken the heart of God? God didn't look at us and go, well, you know what? I'm sorry because you messed up. Then I'm no longer going to be faithful to you. No, he remains faithful to us. Thank God for that. Why? He cannot deny himself. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, listen, we become a part of the body, his body. We are identified in his death and we are identified in his burial and we are identified in his resurrection. In other words, Christ cannot disown himself. We are his forever. So what do we take home from this today? Let me give you three quick truths. Number one, we are secure. Doesn't depend on you. It's not because you're a Baptist, Methodist, Church, Christ, Pentecost, Charismatic, or anything else. Listen to me. It all depends upon him. His death, his burial, and resurrection, and you confessing, repenting of your sins, making him the Lord of your life. It all depends on him. Secondly, we are called to live for and emulate Jesus Christ. Now listen to me. When you study the gospel and you truly understand who Jesus Christ is, Be so very careful of people today who try to add to the beauty and the person of our Savior. Listen to me. Just keep Jesus pure. Don't add anything and don't take away. The gospel affects everything. Don't allow anything to affect the gospel. Run after him. Pursue him. But let me tell you what it requires. It requires a hunger and a thirst to truly want to know him. Again, I love church, I love coming, I love worshiping. But if this is the only time that you spend any time with Jesus is on a Sunday morning and you spend no time with him during the week, spiritually you're gonna dry up and blow away. Again, I ask you, are you pursuing hard after Jesus? Do you think about it? Is there something burning inside of you that says, man, I just, I just need to sit at his feet. I just need to take in. And then finally, take supreme confidence in his word. Pray his promises. Believe his promises. Live his promises. And I will tell you, God will do extraordinary things in and through your life that you can never dream or imagine possible. You see, I'm no different than you. I can get busy doing good stuff. I can be busy pastoring and shepherding. and I can be busy working on sermons. I can be busy in committee meetings. I can be busy doing the things in the convention or with North American Mission Board. I can be busy doing all that kind of stuff. And it's all good stuff. But sometimes, even in my life, it is so easy to allow all the good stuff to push him aside. 
And all of a sudden you wake up one morning and realize, you know, I've been in the Word, but I've been in the Word to find something to preach. I've been in the Word because I've got to go speak at this thing or that thing. Our boy, I've been doing all this great stuff, and we've been talking about evangelism. We've been talking about all this stuff and getting stuff ready at the church and having all these meetings and planning for the fall. All good stuff. But if you're not careful, you wake up one morning and you realize, I've been doing a lot of busy stuff, but I'm not set at his feet. Listen to me. Just for me. You see, that is that pursuit. That is that running hard after him. Not for any other reason, but to know him. And not just rehearse things about him, but to be the driving force of your life and my life. So I ask you the question again, at home, overflow, and in this room this morning. How hard are you running after Jesus? Let's stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I come to you this morning. Lord, I just thank you for these words of Paul to Timothy. There are words that all of us need to hear. Words that remind us that this whole life, it's not going to get easier. It's going to get harder. And in that, we've got to pause and make sure that we are remembering who you are, that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, and you live within us, and we've got to draw closer to you. But, Father, we have also got to make sure that we are in the Word daily, consistently, and habitually, that, Father, we are trusting you. Father, make us stronger, make us better. Make us a people who just hunger and thirst after you more and more every day. Speak to hearts today. Bring about life change today. For those for salvation, those for church membership, God, whatever it is today, I pray that people would step out in faith, believing your promises. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.